Okay, open your Bibles with me to the book of John, and I'm going to teach out of John 14, and 16, 14, 15, 16 today, and I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to talk about the benefits the Holy Spirit brings to our lives. Now, I could have a massive list of benefits. We could go through a lot of different things and talking about gifts and all that stuff, but today I just want to look at the big picture of what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would bring into our lives, okay? So John chapter 14, let's begin reading with verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandment. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another. Everyone say another. Another helper, or this term helper is the Greek term parakletos, which can be translated advocate. Okay? So I'm going to opt for the advocate translation today. So Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another advocate, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So if we look at this, you know, Pentecostals have always interpreted this as he was with the apostles, but yet on the day of Pentecost, he came in the apostles. And I like that. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. Now, I just want you to notice, I have these all underlined in my Bible in verses 16 and 17. He may abide with you. The world can't receive him nor knows him but you know him for he. All of these are personal pronouns because it's identifying the Holy Spirit as a person. I never understood this, that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God, but yet the Holy Spirit is a person. Okay? So in the early church, just hold your Bibles right there. We're going back and read the rest of it. But in the early church, so there were kind of two extremes of, of the way of looking at the Godhead. One was what we call Arianism, which was Jesus was not quite fully God. He was a little lower than God. He was created in time. And uh, because how, how could a man be God? They couldn't figure that out. And that's kind of, kind of akin to modern Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses that believe that Jesus was a little lower, like a demigod, or he was created in time. Then there was another extreme that we call modalism or Sabellianism, which believed that God was just, just one, ultimately one, and he appeared in different roles throughout history. So he appeared as Father in the Old Testament, Son in the, in the Gospels, Holy Spirit in the New Testament, and in the church. And so that's kind of akin to the oneness theology in, in the world today, which is a lot of my background too, by the way. So, uh, so the early fathers, though, came to the middle ground and found what I believe is a beautiful truth in the middle. And that is, God is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All are God, but yet all are mysteriously one. And we can't destroy the distinctions between Father, Son, and Spirit but nonetheless, we hold to the divinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you, you hear me preach, I'll preach Jesus is God strong. Because it's Bible and it's, our history and theology backs it up, right? 
Father is God. We know that. And also, Holy Spirit is God. I mean, I know this is kindergarten 101, but nonetheless, we need to hear it again. Holy, the Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit is, this may be a bad translation from the ancient world, but we'll, we'll take it. The Holy Spirit is a person. Not a person, as someone said years ago, who has a body, soul, and spirit. One person taught Father, Son, and Holy Spirit each have body, soul, and spirit, which gives us nine different entities. That's not the way God is comprised. God is one in unity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have body, soul, and spirit. But I, you know, I don't know. I I could go deep into this and maybe I shouldn't. But who cares? It's 1146 on Sunday morning and y'all have already eaten breakfast. And Pizza Hut's going to be open when you're finished or Mama's Kitchen so you can go, right? So, Paul said Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So I don't know. I believe when I get to heaven, I believe like Dr. William Ward said, he had this vision of heaven. And he said, I would look at the throne and I would see glory and bright light but I would see Jesus walking around the city as Jesus. I'm going to end it right there and move on. (laughs) Holy Spirit, come on, say it with me. The Holy Spirit Spirit is God God. and He's a person. He is God and He is a person. Let's drop down now and let's go to uh, verse 26 of chapter 14 if you have your Bible still open. He says, But the Helper, or the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance that I have said. Let's turn on over to chapter 15. Let's turn over to chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Helper or the Advocate comes, whom I shall send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of Me. Chapter 16, verse 5. Now I go away to Him who sent Me, and none of you ask, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I depart... I will send him to you. And when he has come, not only is he going to bless the Christian, but he's going to bring something to the world. He said he will convict the world, verse 8, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he... The Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. Can somebody shout Amen? Amen. So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. I'm going to give you three benefits of having the Holy Spirit in your life. Number one, He comes as your advocate. The Holy Spirit is my advocate. Let's say this together. The Holy Spirit is my advocate. 
The Holy Spirit is my advocate. The term advocate simply means one who pleads another's case. One who is a counsel for defense. One who is a legal assistant. Para kletos. Para alongside kaleo, who calls out or argues alongside you. Holy Spirit comes alongside you and becomes your advocate, helping you through this life. Helping you to navigate this life. What does a lawyer do? Or what does a social worker do? They come and they present themselves as an advocate for someone who is powerless. Or someone who doesn't have the skill they have. For example, a lawyer knows the law, knows the legal courts, and can get up and can argue and is trained in arguments. So that lawyer is skilled in areas you're not, so you need them to present the case for you, and you have a better chance of winning the better lawyer you have, let's just face it. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. He comes and He argues for you and He fights for you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, this gets good, man. Y'all hang on, right? This gets good. So in the Old Testament, there's a, there are a few examples I want to bring out of what of an advocate looks like. So in the life of Abraham, when Abraham found out that God visited Abraham, if you read that beautiful uh, chapter 18, and, and, and it talks about God coming down and having dinner with Abraham in his tent, and then after that, they're walking out, and the Lord says, can I hide from Abraham what we're getting ready to do? And what they were getting ready to do was that the, God and those accompanying him were going to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah and judge the cities. And as you know, they eventually were destroyed. And Abraham learned about it and realized, oh my gosh, my nephew's down there. And so Abraham jumps out and stands between God and Sodom and Gomorrah, and he starts arguing for his life. Okay, hold on, Lord. Would you destroy the city? Would you destroy the wicked with the righteous? Let me ask you this. Would you destroy the city if we could find 50 righteous in the city? Lord's like, well, no. No, I wouldn't do it. Okay, okay. I got 50. <laughs> Would you do it if there were 45 righteous in the city? Well, no. And he keeps whittling down the deal till he gets to a very small number. And God went on and evidently didn't even find that number in the city and destroyed it anyhow. But Abraham was an advocate for his nephew. You know, that's what you and I are as intercessors too. We're really advocates for our family and for our nation and for our community when we go before the Lord and pray for mercy, right? But he was an advocate. Okay, look at another, another instance when, when Abraham went to Egypt and he lied about his wife having uh, his wife being his wife. said, she's my sister. So the king took her in and was going to make her part of his harem and God showed up and gave the king a dream and basically said, you're a dead man. You touch her, you're a dead man. So he brings Abraham in the next day, and he's like, why didn't you tell me? What's your problem, dude? And said, well, the Lord told me if I'd pray for you, that he'd have mercy on you. So Abraham prayed for Abimelech, and God had mercy on him, and then his harem evidently was fertile after that, and God released Sarah. But he acted as an advocate Praying for a pagan king. And God bless, think about Daniel. In Daniel chapter 9, when Daniel was praying, after he had been studying the prophecies of Jeremiah, he knew there was hope for his people. 
And he goes before the Lord and he prays like this, O Lord, who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments, we have sinned and we have committed iniquity. He Had Daniel sinned? Well, we don't read that he had sinned, but he's including himself in the people of Israel. He's identifying himself. It's like you and I, though maybe we haven't committed atrocities, nonetheless, maybe we can pray as Americans, God forgive our nation, as Americans. It's called identificational repentance. So he's praying for all of Israel, and he's interceding on behalf of his nation. And who knows if that wasn't part of the moving that started with Cyprus coming and God fulfilling His Word, but there were some people praying His Word. He was an advocate. Come on, say it with me. The Holy Spirit is my advocate. Say this too. Me and Jesus are a majority. So I see in Scripture we have two advocates. Number one, Jesus Himself is our advocate. The Bible says so much. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. The John said, Little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. He is an advocate. Well, how does it work? All of us stood at one time guilty before God for our own sins. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned. For all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we all stood condemned and we didn't have the power to forgive ourselves of our sin and wash it away. We didn't have the power to appease the just demands of God's law. We didn't have that. We were broken, lost, in sin, born in sin. So Jesus comes and He stood in place of us in judgment. He took our sin upon Himself, and when He was crucified, He took your sin, He took my sin, and nailed it to the cross, Paul says in Colossians. Nailed it to the cross. And now, let's just take the metaphor of a courtroom of heaven. He has stepped into the courtroom, and not only has He argued for us as a lawyer would, but He's also replaced us in the judgment seat, and He has taken the penalty from the judge Himself. Not only has He argued our case, He's taken the penalty of our case so that you and I could be set completely free. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And I woke up this morning just with that profound sense of my inadequacy. I'm going to be honest with you and how flawed I am as a human being, and how I don't measure up all the time, and how I've failed God through my life, and I just felt like, God, I could have just done better at a a gazillion things. But then I remembered, yeah, but I'm washed in His blood. (laughs) I'm washed in His blood. I'm forgiven. And all my past has been nailed to the cross, and the shame and the guilt that goes with it. And now I have a position... You know, Watchman Nee wrote a book years ago on the book of Ephesians called Sit, Walk, Stand. And it's the three positions of a Christian in the book of Ephesians. First of all, we sit. We are seated with Him in heavenly places in Christ. Now that you've been born again, you've been seated with Him spiritually and positionally as a saint. Then it says, walk. 
He says, walk worthy of the call with which you've been called. Walk worthy. Now you live out that positional thing you live out in your life. And then finally it says, stand. After having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Stand. Once you've done all you can do, now you stand in the position of being a blood-washed, born-again believer who is now separated unto God. And now the advocacy of Christ comes, and it's a perfect defense, a sinless defense, a foolproof defense, and now case closed, done, your slate has been wiped clean, sanctified by the Spirit, on your way to heaven, forgiven of all your sins. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, a great Welsh preacher. He said, I ask people, are you a Christian? And if the person responds, well, I'm trying. He said, then I know they know nothing about being a Christian. He said, being a Christian is accepting the advocacy of Jesus Christ. And now the justice of God is on our side of the scale. And being a Christian is a standing position. So when Satan comes and says, do you remember what you did back in 1974? Some of y'all weren't alive in 74, so I'm going to update this. Remember what y'all did back in 2007? And we sit there and think, oh my gosh, yes, I remember what I did. Everybody probably thinks I'm terrible. Is this thing not forgiven, Lord? Am I still, why is it still in my spirit here? I, and then Holy Spirit comes and says, yeah, it was forgiven and forgotten. It was Because now the second advocate comes to refer back to the work of the first advocate. So now the Holy Spirit comes and turns us toward Jesus and the work on the cross and says, see what He did for you? And He took away your sin. He took away your shame. He took away the guilt. And now He sets you free. Don't go back to the old bondage you used to be in. Paul in Galatians, who has bewitched you that now you think you can accomplish in the flesh all that God did in the Spirit by His grace. Get free of that and realize you're free indeed. You're seated with Him in heavenly places. Holy Spirit's now coming saying, look at what Jesus did for you. Come on, put your hands together and give Him a praise. Hallelujah. You know, we often don't think of the Holy Spirit like that. We think He comes to give us prophetic words and speak in tongues and all that, which He does. But yet, the big stuff is He comes to represent the work of Jesus in our lives and to keep pushing us back to what Jesus did. He doesn't come to talk about Himself. He comes to point us back to the... Look at the cross. Look at the empty tomb. You remember that day? March 16, 1986. I'll never forget it. I was baptized on that day. I remember when I went to the altar for the first time. I remember when God spoke to me in a hospital room. And sometimes when I get, I can't see the forest for the trees and I get lost in life, I think the Holy Spirit comes and says, Hey, Hans, remember when? Remember when I came and spoke to you? And you were as dumb as a rock. You didn't know what was going on. And I came and was like... Hello, I've got a better life. Come on, hello. You don't have to live the way you've been living. 
Get that negative stuff out. You're never going to be anything. You're never going to do anything. I'm, I'm useless. No, come on. I'm speaking. Look at what Jesus did. He didn't die and do all of that for us to be nothing and do nothing in this life. He came to set us free so we could accomplish the very work of God that He's already predestined according to Ephesians 2. He's already determined what we're going to do. Come on, somebody just raise your hand and give Him a praise. Hallelujah. So now, He says in John 14, I'll ask the Father and He'll give you another advocate. Another, and interesting, in Greek the word isn't heteros, which mean, but it's alos, meaning another of the same kind. Just as the disciples had Jesus walking with them, now we have the Holy Spirit walking with us. And He's a good friend. He's a good friend. He's a friend that when we get ready to walk into wrong, He comes and whispers in His love and says, Hey, Think about this. It's probably not the best move. And then he comes and speaks to us as a good friend. And he says, hey, 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 Hans. Maybe you shouldn't say what you're thinking about saying. Maybe you should say it in a different way. Or, hey, Hans, maybe you should just pray for that person. Instead of calling up Joe and talking about what you just heard. I'm gonna preach to this church over here. Hallelujah. Come on, maybe, maybe, maybe he comes and he just gently knocks and he says, Yeah, maybe you shouldn't get involved in that. You know, uh, my wife would tell this all the time, and I just knew she was just a wild spiritual person <laughs> in a good way. But she'd say, Hans, I went into Walmart and I just left. I just didn't feel the right spirit. It just felt like something wasn't right. I was like, okay. Praise the Lord. You ever done that? Just didn't feel right about it? Well, thank God you obeyed the spirit. I had a friend named William Warden. He, he had traveled to like 82, 84 nations of the world. He was an amazing man and uh, he's now with the Lord. But nonetheless, he told me a story one time of being in China. And he said he was on a cert, at a certain bus stop. And he was waiting on a bus, and he felt the Spirit say, you need to leave. And he said, I left. Turned around and left. Next day, they found out someone was murdered at that bus stop. Our good friend Doug Eccles, many of y'all know the story. He was going to Haiti years ago, and on the way to the hotel, from the airport to the hotel, they had a, they had a cab driver, and he was going to a certain hotel, and this hotel had multi, it was a multi-storied hotel. He had reservations there. But he said on the way there, he said, I just felt a gentle, just a gentle tug. And I asked the driver, said, hey, instead of going to that hotel, could we go to another place I know in town, which was just like these little individual rooms, like bungalows outside? The driver says, no problem. Take, they take him to the uh, other hotel, and he said within minutes, the great earthquake that killed tens of thousands, hundred, I think over 100,000 people in Port-au-Prince happened. And the hotel that he was originally planned to be at crumbled and crashed to the ground. And, and he talks about God saved his life just through listening to the still small voice. A gentle whisper saved his life. And that's why Doug is so passionate about Haiti. He's been now 50, 60 times and dug wells and built schools and done all that because of his passion. He was there when all that happened. That's how important it is that we hear what the second advocate is saying to us. 
He's come to help and to defend you. Second thing, say it with me. The Holy Spirit is my teacher. Come on, the Holy Spirit is my teacher. Jesus said, These things have I spoken to you that while being present with you, but the Helper or the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, which the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. He even told the disciples in Matthew chapter 10, He said, But when they hand you over, and do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given to you in that hour what you are to say, for it's not you who speak, but it's the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. God will give us, He'll teach us, and then He'll give us what to say when we need it. Hallelujah. I don't know if you've ever been in those kind of instances, but I have. It's like I to start speaking and somebody, there's a situation, I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't know. I have no clue what I'm going to say. And all of a sudden you open your mouth and spirit starts bringing it, man. And you're like, it's my, it's my advocate right here, man. He's bringing it right now. And, and you just, you just, it's just on fire. And, God, and the, Yes, hallelujah, yes. He teaches you all things. And listen to this. Paul said that the Scripture was breathed or inspired by God. That word inspire in Latin means to breathe. So if Scripture is God-breathed. So if God breathed the Scripture, I believe He breathed it by His Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit in Greek is pneuma. In Hebrew is ruach. Both have the sense of wind or breath. I believe when God's breathed into man, He breathed that Ruach Spirit of God and He became a living soul. So if He breathed the Scripture by the Holy Spirit, could He not then take the Holy Spirit that lives within us, since He was the author of the book, can He not unveil the meaning to us. Yes, we need teachers and we need scholars and we need all that in a bag of chips. But also, without the Holy Spirit, we're just left to the minds of men and and fallen logic. We need the Holy Spirit to help us understand and illuminate the Scriptures that He has already authored. There's a website called songmeanings.com. I can't believe I'm telling you all this. But sometimes I get curious as to the meaning of a song. And I'm like, what are they talking about? Um, It can be a secular song I hear. It can be a Christian song I hear. And I'm just like, what was in the mind of that writer? I shouldn't tell you all this. The other day I got that, I bless the rains down in Africa. Sorry. And I thought, what was Toto thinking when they wrote that song, Africa? And so I got on there, and people give their opinions. And you know what I found out? No one knows what the song's about. (laughs) And I knew less about it, I think, after I read it. And I'll do that with Christian songs. Well, how am I getting here? Okay. If I wanted the true meaning of the song, the best I've found is to find an interview with the person who wrote the song. Yeah. And sometimes you'll find they were thinking something totally different than you've been singing since the 1970s with this picture in your mind. 
They were thinking something totally different. So, yeah. So if you want the true meaning, go back to the author. If you want the true interpretation, we can go back to the one who breathed it. Let me tell you something too. God created the earth through the power of the Spirit. He breathed. The Spirit hovered over the waters and He brought order out of chaos. So I'm telling you, thank God for some Spirit-filled Holy Ghost scientists that we have in the earth realm. God has downloaded some amazing... Thank God for some Holy Ghost engineers that we have in the earth realm that God has downloaded some stuff into. And it's been amazing if you just study what Christians have come up with. Who is the man with the peanut? Thank you, George William Carver. George Washington Carver. George Washington Carver. I heard that he was like, Lord, show me the mysteries of your universe. And God said, how about I show you the peanut? And that man discovered how many different usages out of the peanut. It was mind-boggling. He prayed and asked God for insight. If there's one food I could live on for the rest of my life and need no other, it's peanut butter. (laughs) My daughters won't even eat it because I grossed them out so much growing up eating peanut butter, I think. This is 11 o'clock service. I'm unhinged, man. What am I doing? <laughs> Holy Spirit, teach us. Download. Give us the download. Amen? Give us the download. It's like we're going to turn on, if those of you who have iPhones, if I, if I have a large piece of data, I maybe not want to text you. I can just see if you're in the room right now with that function that I can't think of the name of it, but it's called AirDrop. That airdrop function, and I'm like, oh yeah, boom, boom. I want to be on airdrop all the time with the Holy Ghost in the room, don't you? I want to be on airdrop that when He wants to download the big stuff, you don't have to bring it through somebody else, Lord. That's all right if you do and confirm it. But I just want the airdrop right down into my spirit so I can understand what you're saying. Holy Ghost, be my teacher. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Third thing, say it with me. The Holy Spirit is my guide. Say it one more time. The Holy Spirit is my guide. Jesus said, John 16, 13, He will guide you into all truth and He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears and He will tell you what is to come. Paul said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, after He was baptized, He was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit, walked into the Nazareth synagogue, and opened up Isaiah 61, and He said, Now the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Anointed of the Spirit, led of the Spirit, came out in the power of the Spirit. He, that Jesus was led. He said, I do only what I see my Father do. And I think that's a perfect example of how we should live our lives. What is the Holy Spirit saying do? Where is He saying go? What's He saying get involved in? What's He saying not get involved in? What if we lived every day of our lives and woke up and said, Good morning, Holy Spirit. I submit myself completely to Your leadership. What would You have me do today? I know I have things to do, but how would You have me do them? What else would You have me do? What would You not have me do? Would You open up 
doors for me today? Would you close doors for me today? Would you make connections for me today? Would you give me insight today? Would you come alongside and be my advocate today? And show me when things are happening, what's really happening in the realm of the Spirit? Could you come and be all that to me today? What if we just prayed that simple prayer every morning and started off our day asking Holy Spirit to come and lead us and guide us? You know, GPS systems, some of you are on total, I, the, the Apple GPS app, some of y'all are on Google app, some of y'all are on Garmin that you still got stuck to your window, some of y'all are, like my mom, Rand McNally, Atlas. We showed my daughters a map a few years ago, and they're like, what are, what's all these things? I tell you, it's... It, it, or maybe you're in the fourth category, stubborn man who won't ask anybody for directions. That's the category I'm in. Hallelujah. Anyhow, you know, GPS works. It's, it's, it's awesome because it gives you a route and it sometimes gives you an option. But if you make a wrong turn, it will drive you bananas until you get back on the right way. I want Holy Spirit guidance like that. I may veer off the road, but get me back on the way that I need to be going, Lord, because you are a God of a second chance, and you're working with a fallible human being here, Lord. I need a lot of volume. Come on, can somebody shout amen? Holy Spirit, be my GPS system. Holy Spirit, be my guide. Be, you know, sometimes we, get, we can't see the forest for the trees. We're praying, God, you're going to do great things in my life. And Lord, you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And we receive a prophetic word or two that confirms it. And then we just think, well, God's just not moving fast enough. I've been doing this for years, it seems like. But then, it, it, take five years and then look back. And if you've been a b- believing Christian and praying... Spirit-filled Christian, or take 10 years and look back. And I think you'd be amazed at how God's led you. I think you'd be amazed to look and say, my word, man, God, you really, (laughs) you were not on my timetable, you were on your timetable. And some of the things that I wanted to get involved in, you shut the door, thank you. And there were some things that I didn't even know I'd be involved in, but you opened the door for me to get in. And God, you've blessed me. And I'm standing here now several years later saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading me and guiding me. And then He comes as our guide, and He's the best prayer guide we can ever have. He's the best prayer guide we could ever have. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart also knows the mind of the Spirit because He makes intercession for us according to the will of God. So Jesus said He's going to come give you the words to say and tell you what's to come in the future. Paul says the Spirit's going to come and and pray for you the perfect will of God and prepare you, I believe, for the future. Paul said, I will pray with my mind and I will pray in the Spirit. I will sing with my mind and I will sing in the Spirit. So I go to prayer and I'm praying, God bless the city of Elizabeth City. Bless our church, God. Bless those who are struggling right now, Father. I pray for John and Bob and Bill and Ted and Alice. 
and then I'm done. Then Holy Spirit comes along and says, okay, Hans, now let me pray through you. And when I'm praying, I'm bringing the arsenal. I'm bringing the perfect will of God. And I'm going to pray through you God's perfect will for your life. So and I'm, I'm sometimes reaching for His will. God, is this your will? If not, close it down. Is this your will? If it is, open the door. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a, we're in process. Holy Spirit is not. He's coming and saying, now let me pray through you. And when I allow Him to pray through me, He's praying the perfect will of God for my life. Perfect will of God for my life. When He sings through me, singing the perfect will of God for my life. And not only that, I believe He's maybe praying some things in my future that I'm going to encounter that I don't know about, but the Spirit already knows about. Because He's going to reveal to us things that are coming in the future. And so when I encounter a certain situation, I believe the Holy, it isn't a surprise to the Holy Spirit. He's already been there, already seen it, already knows how I should respond. And maybe He's been praying through me to get me to that day to bring me through that thing I'm walking through. None of us knew COVID was going to happen, but the Holy Spirit knew it was going to happen. None of us knew the church would be shut down all across the world. Holy Spirit knew it. Hallelujah. And it's not like, well, we can't meet in the building. Well, therefore, we can't be Christians anymore. No, he says, I'm still living and breathing in you. I'm still praying through you. I'm still preparing you for even greater things in the future. And now Jesus said, it's interesting, right before that John 14 passage, right before he gets into talking about the Holy Spirit, he says, now I'm going away, but greater works than these shall you do because I'm going to my Father. And now we are performing the greater works because there's more of us in number performing the same works of Jesus. And I'm getting excited right now, hallelujah. Because He's gone to the Father and He sent the Holy Spirit down to us to be able to do what He did. Oh, hallelujah! Now you can lay hands on the sick and now you can preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now you can raise the dead. Now you can cleanse the leper. Now you can cast out demons because the same power that was working through Jesus is now working through you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, raise your hand and say, come Holy Spirit. Come on, more, 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 more. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Some people, you know, I hate to relate this to a party, but it's like some people just just want to visit and go home. I want to party all night. <laughs> I want all the Holy Ghost I can get. Come on, man, bring it, Lord. I want every bit of it. I want to be one of the closers, hallelujah. I want to be one of the last men out. I want everything He's got for me. Pour it out, Holy Ghost. Come on. Because He's bringing good stuff. He's bringing guidance. He's bringing knowledge. He's coming to fight for me. He's coming to show me things. He's coming to work in spiritual gifts through me. He's coming to touch others' lives through me. He's coming to comfort me at night when I'm grieving or I'm sorrowful or I'm nervous or I'm fearful. He's there to wake me up in the morning. Hallelujah. Get me fired up for another day. Come on. We need the Holy Ghost in our life. Come on, somebody give Him a praise in here. Hallelujah. 
know, you know, Cliff would know this, but I've heard testimonies of numerous people who were in the towers on 9-11 who God spoke to. And they either got out, or I, I don't know, some of you would know these stories better than me probably, or of people, I heard there was a subway driver who stopped. He, he went against protocol and stopped, so he wouldn't carry the people under the tower. And, and I know our mind goes to, well, why wasn't everybody hearing that? I don't know. But a few people were hearing, and God was doing that. One, one man said he, uh, I think he was in the towers, and he got out, and he said every morning he would pray with his family. But that morning before he left, he said they just all sensed, no, we need to pray a little more. There's something going on today. We don't know what it is. We need to pray a little bit more. And they prayed a little bit more. And he, and he got out. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just want to be sensitive to him. I want to be one of those that's hearing one of those that's hearing what he's saying. Man, we need some people in Washington like this. They're not listening to polls and news stations, but they're listening to the voice of the Spirit, man. Right? We need some leaders. We have some. I mean, there's some floating around somewhere. <laughs> really. We need some people. We need some businessmen who hear the Spirit. We need some school teachers that hear the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need some dentists that hear the Holy Ghost. Lord knows I need a Holy Ghost dentist. We need some doctors hearing from the Spirit of the Lord. I just saw Dr. Carter in our early service. He's a heart surgeon. He preached for us one night, and he said he was doing an aortic dissection, the most difficult heart procedure known to man. He said, I was doing it on a man one night, and I knew I couldn't go any further. So I went out and I talked to the lady, the, the wife, and I said, I'm sorry, I can't, I just can't do any more. And she looked at him, she said, please, you've got to save him. So he prays, and he goes back in. And this will really freak you out. He said, I just took gauze and started wrapping it around his aorta. And he said, working with gauze in a bloody situation like that is like working with wet toilet paper. And it held and the guy lived. We need some Holy Ghost people. Come on. We need some Holy Ghost people. We need some Holy Ghost drivers out here on the highway. We need some Holy Ghost truck drivers who witness for Jesus. Come on, amen? Come on, lift your hands with me right now all across this room. And let's just pray. Holy Spirit, come on, just eyes closed, just pray it. Holy Spirit, come. Come on, just pray it. Holy Spirit, come and fill my life right now. Holy Spirit, come and fill my life. I want more of you, Lord. I want more of you, Lord. More of you in my life. Say, Pastor Hans, I, I thought I got it all when I got saved. I can't get any more. Well, all I know is in Acts chapter 4, the same people who were filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2 got filled again with the Spirit. So He can come in power again over you right now. Come on, all across this room. In the name of Jesus, Father, I just pray, Holy Spirit, come right now. Come and fill each one in this room afresh with Your power. Afresh with Your power right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. Thanks so much for watching us online. We're so blessed to, to live in an era where we can come to you 
uh, on this platform and be able to preach the gospel and worship with you right in your home. I don't know where you are today with the Lord, but uh, I want to close this time with prayer. And whatever needs you have, let's bring them to the Lord right now, but especially if you're not serving the Lord. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart, right now's the time to do that. All you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, come in. I believe Jesus is Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I want to change. You make that decision in your heart, then God's going to come in and he's going to do the rest. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. In the book of Acts, it said, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. So let's pray for these two issues right now, okay? Pray with me. Father in heaven, I open up my heart. I repent of all my sin. And I ask Jesus into my life right now. And I thank you that my sins are gone. And I thank you that my life has changed. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I bring before you all the needs of the audience that's watching right now. Everyone who's hurting, they're struggling, they have issues going on. We bring those needs to the throne of God in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Father, to meet them, to bless right now through the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody can say amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us online. And I hope to see you again.